Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, wrapping up kind of a crazy week, and it all started with the USDA's WASDE report on Tuesday. So we're trying to find that level as to where we're at, and I love the fact that we're going to get a firsthand look and discussion about what is going on in South America. We know that there's been some weather issues, some concerns, and I've seen a few pictures floating around social media of, of harvest underway. We'll talk more about that and, of course, looking at the livestock side and a lot more as Don Rose joins us today. He is with U.S. Commodities out of Des Moines, Iowa. And to start out, Don, let's talk about this. Was the report of Tuesday? We've had four days to really get a chance to digest all that information. Yeah, you know, and, uh, you know. good afternoon, Susan. I think when you look at it, the uh, soybeans for the week up almost uh, 45 cents a bushel. We had uh, corn up about 35 and wheat up about 27 cents a bushel. And really it was predicated and the push was really on the uh, report uh, on Tuesday, the WASDE report. It put us up to another level. Uh, it showed our, our yield was a less, uh, a bigger drop in the yield than the trade thought, 3.8 bushels per acre. And um, and the, the government really, uh, so the production went down. On the demand, they they cut the exports 100 million. I think there's some question there, and the feed also uh, 50 million. So, you know, the bottom line, the ending stocks continue to tighten on corn and on soybeans. Uh, they're really just very dicey. Um, we're going to need a big crop out of South America. We're going to need to uh, buy some acres back on soybeans. I think right now somewhere is to 8 million acres, maybe 1 to 2 million on corn, and then we need to get a big yield. So um, consequently, we're not rationing. We're trying to push up to levels that we slow down demand. And so far, it's elusive, but it doesn't look like we're doing it at this price level, but it's always a look back on that program. So as you look at everything that's uh since the markets had a chance to really digest it and we got past the knee-jerk reaction of Tuesday morning, we kind of settled into a decent pattern for these grains to wrap out the week? Well, you know, I think what we really did is we kind of pushed up here into uh, uh, Thursday and we kind of hit some pause levels. I think uh, going into a three-day weekend, we saw uh, profit-taking. Uh, we saw a little bit of concern on so often over uh, three-day weekends, uh, things can change. We think more in terms of uh, the 4th of July weekends, but um, weather patterns can change in South America. Demand can change uh, from our foreign uh, people. And so there's a little bit of concern, a little bit of pause there. And, you know, these prices, Susan, they're, like we say, six- and seven-year highs on most of these grains. So it's not like you're at cheap uh, price levels anymore. The producer, I think, looks at these prices and thinks there's uh, their opportunities that uh, there's uh, prices that they should take advantage of. But as long as the market's moving up, uh, you know, it seems like more hands in your pocket. And even the sales that are taking place, the funds uh, swamp it and end users uh, buy these breaks. And so you need to change that uh, that pattern before anything happens. But you know, the next target, when you look at the uh, soybeans, uh, uh, had a high of 1532 in April of 2014. Uh, wheat had a high of 735 in May. And uh, corn uh, had a high of 553 and a half back uh, in 1996 in July. So, you know, the market is, is looking at those price levels and seeing how close we can get to it. So what are you hearing when it comes to the weather in South America? Well, you know, it's, again, you know, just to put it in context, Brazil, the growing area goes from like a half a state into Canada, 
and then it goes all the way down into two-thirds of Mexico. So, I mean, it's a big length. So when you talk about weather, um, you know, it is really a, a big window that you have to look at. But it looks like we have, uh, you know, some, some timely rains are coming at us. Uh, 85% coverage over the next five days in Brazil. That's going to take the dry area down to about 10%. About 75% coverage in Argentina over the next five days, and that's going to take that dry area also down to 10 to 15%. Now, um, the dry areas shrink, but you also need to have continued uh, moisture uh, on a weekly basis to keep us in that area. But uh, uh, the crop's moving along. Um, you know, the, we're just in, uh, finishing up the planting on Argentine on corn. So if you look at it, that is into the summer before those hit the marketplace. Uh, the corn, the second corn crop, which is a safrina crop, that is planted after beans come off. So that'll be more like the 1st of February. So, you know, you can tell when that corn gets planted, when that comes, that's into the summer too. And um, so you got our competition is a ways away from that uh, from that standpoint on corn. Soybeans is more immediate right here, but the first harvest on soybeans is going to hit the domestic market in both uh, Argentina and Brazil. So curious because I've seen those pictures uh, floating around social media. Have we seen or have you heard any numbers as to how this harvest is going? Yeah, you know, we have started the very early harvest, and, uh, you know, that's up in the far north, uh, Mato Grosso. That's kind of like, uh, you know, to put it in perspective on the length, that's kind of like up into Canada type of area. Uh, so it's the yields there, The it was dry to start out with. So the yields are, uh, you know, re, retracted somewhere, I would say 20 to 30 percent. Uh, expect that to pick up as we go forward. And you saw... Uh, this last week, CONAB, which is the USDA out of uh, Brazil equivalent, they actually took the uh, production up uh, to 133.8 million metric tons. So uh, they're kind of agreeing that the early may be uh, the worst and then uh, pick up from there. But, you know, so that's almost a 5 billion bushel corn crop uh, or bean crop out of, uh, out of Brazil. And think what, you know, we're raising closer to a 4.3 billion. So just... Brazil alone is larger than uh, our U.S. production. All right, well, stick around, folks. We come back. We are going to have a lot more to talk about in part two, including what's been happening in Russia as they try to slow down some of their numbers. Livestock structure, too. We're going to look at what all this means with the higher grain prices. And don't forget, markets are closed on Monday for Martin Luther King. More is coming up. It's a fun conversation with Don Rose with U.S. Commodities. So let's talk a little Russia. I mean, they've been popping up a lot in the news lately, and then a lot of folks talking about, boy, remember what happened in the 70s. And uh, as we look at Russia and them pulling back a little bit, is there, Don, a food grain shortage that is that bad right now for them? What are you hearing? Yeah, you know, and you, you know, you bring up the 70s. You know, remember the 70s was when uh, Russia, the the great Russian grain robbery, because they were buying wheat and nobody really realized it until too late. Of course, the communication wasn't like it was to a day. But, you know, from we went from that to Russia today is the largest wheat exporter in the world. I think what's happened is their exports have been uh, so aggressive. Uh, they're supposed to export 39 million metric tons of wheat this year. That's just almost 1.6 billion bushels. So it's been uh, pushed out so aggressively. Uh, in food inflation is uh, so strong there that the Putin administration has decided two things. One, 
we have to slow down uh, the food inflation. So the way we do that is back up supplies internally, um, and that's what they're trying to do. They do have a, an export uh, quota tax, if you will, on uh, exports of 82 cents a bushel starting um, middle of February. Then the 1st of March is going to go up to $1.65 uh, until June 30th. So uh, somebody, I think the key point is wheat had to buy the rumor, sell the fact on that, but somebody has to plug the gap on that difference, which could be upwards of 8 million metric tons of wheat, which is about 300, 320 million bushels. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be the U.S., Argentina, Australia, or Canada? Those are the logical choices. So uh, much like Argentina, you know, they did the same thing or tried with corn. Now you got Russia doing the same thing, slowing down the exports with uh, wheat. So it just tells you that we do have uh, tight, tighter global supplies out here, and uh, people are trying to fight the uh, food inflation. Well, too, we've, we've talked about some tight supplies here as well in the U.S. as we, we look at the global demand that we have had for product. Does that make us a little nervous, or should it, as we look at you know what we've got on hand and what's needed by the world? Well, you know, so far it looks like we're, you know, we're, we're manageable. Um, remember, we're the breadbasket, one of the breadbaskets of the world. Um, we export, uh, you know, a tremendous amount of grain. And usually the way we slow down exports was with a price. Um, the same thing on soybeans. Uh, you know, our exports are very large. So that'll be the first one that we try to slow down and uh, try to ration. And, you know, the good news for the U.S. is, we do have acres. We have a CRP program. Remember that there's acres that are locked up that if, every, if something really dramatic, drastic happened, those could be pulled out of uh, CRP, uh, you know, with a little bit of paperwork. Not that that's going to happen. Uh, bottom line, I think we have, uh, as long as we don't get into a dry drought problem next year, we're probably going to bring 7 to 8 million acres of beans back in, 1 to 2 million acres of soybeans that should help bridge the gap, but we'll see how the weather is, and the weather will start uh, down in the southern plains, like we say, first start and plant corn, and then when the wheat comes out of dormancy in the southern plains. Livestock side, what is the livestock structure like right now, Don, especially when we saw those higher grain prices of earlier this week? Yeah, you know what, and it has it's caused uh, some anxiety for the livestock industry with these grain prices running up as sharp as they are, because um, you know, you just, with a higher feed cost, you have higher break-evens. So something has to give. And so consequently, what's going on right now is we always say um, high-priced grain equals high-priced livestock eventually, but first you have to get there. I think the uh, front-end supplies on cattle are record large. Um, guys are moving cattle pretty aggressively because when they're ready, you don't want it to stack on uh, inefficient pounds with the grain at this price. So consequently, uh, cash cattle were lower this week. Uh, the beef uh, market trying to bottom here like it does seasonally, uh, move up a little bit. But we've got big supplies coming at us here short term before we get into the late spring, summer where supplies tighten up again. And that's probably the time frame where we start to look at this grain market starting to uh, uh, affect the uh, cattle market more than anything. And the hogs. I mean, it was nice to finally see some green on the screen for them this week. Well, you know, the hogs are kind of the same thing. Uh, the back months of hogs, back months of cattle are uh, in contract highs or just off of contract highs, trying to do the same thing, uh, compensate for the feed. Hogs a little bit different. We had a liquidation, as we know, in the last quarterly hog and pig report, and uh, so we have lower numbers. 
Uh, we've had some disease problems, um, so we're pushing the market up for those reasons. Uh, break-evens are tough for guys um, right at the present time, and I think all eyes are going to be on China. Sounds good. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Don? You bet. They can reach us here at U.S. Commodities at one 800 247 4071. Thanks so much. Don Rose has been joining us. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss and they're not suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers. Check this out as a podcast at ruralradio.com wherever you subscribe and on Spotify as well. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, markets closed on Monday. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.